Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Big day today, folks. Do you know, do you know why? Uh, do you mean for Jennifer Brady or... Yeah, that's big as well. But the, the main reason is because I got a prediction right for the first time in about <laughs> six days. And and given the bloke lost the first set 6-1 in 24 minutes, I wasn't feeling too good about it. Uh, but Alexander Zverev is indeed into the semifinals, as I said he would be. And I don't feel like particularly inclined to gloat about that, to be honest, um, because uh, he was the overwhelming favourite for a start. Um, how many anyway. how many points did David win, Matt, for that? I think he won fourteen points. That's on the low end. <laughs> Quite pleased with that. Is that enough to overturn any of his deficit? It's enough to close the gap. So long right. as okay. so long as his bar on the graph is still dangling downwards. Yeah, this this gets me. <laughs> Catherine's brother has done a, a graphic representation I of our scores. I love the graph so much. Yeah, and I'm in negative figures on the graph. Mm. I'm like below the line. It's horrible. Mm. Anyway, so it isn't over yet. There's still what five days to go. I think I can overturn it all. I believe that graph is for the whole year. Is it? Oh. I know it's been a curtailed year, but I believe that stretches back to the Australian Open and the few predictions we did after the Australian Open. Oh, can we start this podcast again? (laughs) Because I'm also in the negative on that graph, and I'm not having such a bad US Open, I didn't think. Right. It's okay. it's not a graph that on aggregate reflects particularly well on the tennis podcast, I would say. <laughs> You're I'd doing well. Perfectly Only fitting. relatively <laughs> to you two. It's still not, you know, a big, big, glorious upward bar. Right. But it's not a dangly let's, downward bar either. Let's anyway. talk about something happy. Jennifer Brady, um, who is a semi-finalist at a Grand Slam. And she's done so, reaching the semi-finals, by beating today Yulia Putinseva. And her run, I didn't realise, I knew she'd won through very effectively and she'd beaten Angelique Kerber, etc. I didn't realise the nature of the set scores that she'd managed to put together until you tweeted it, Matt. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. Well, I thought our good friend Charlie Eccleshare put it quite well. It's it's Nadal at Roland Garros-esque. Just just reading through the scores, six three, six two, six one, six two, six three, six three, six one, six four, six three, six two. She's not even come close to dropping a set. It's absolutely remarkable dominance. You weren't convinced a couple of rounds ago, were you, David? No. I mean, look, honestly, I thought she was wonderful in Lexington. She won that title, didn't she? And she was absolutely fantastic. Then she lost first round to Jessica Pagula the next round. And I I really thought, okay, probably she's somewhere in between the two. She's probably somewhere in between winning a WTA title and losing first round. So I would maybe think she might get to the fourth round. I would, like I said, I thought she would lose to Angelique Kerber. 
Well, she's proved me wrong spectacularly. She looks like a real force at the top end of the game. Now, I know there are some players that aren't at the US Open, but the way she's playing right now, if this continues, if this is her new baseline level, we have a player that can be a, a force anywhere. I mean, yeah, the results don't lie. Um, I do, I, I've I've been asking the question of everybody today, you know, given given the stats and the those set scores and the total lack of challenge that anybody has been able to mount to to her tennis so far this tournament what where are the chinks in the armor where how do you, how do you beat Jennifer Brady it's not necessarily a question i expected to be asking this season this year but here we are. How is she doing it? What what is it what is it about her game, Catherine, from what you've gleaned from the people you speak to in the Amazon studio, all the experts? How does she do it? How is Jessica Jennifer Brady now this force? Well, she has the most amazing forehand. It is a bludgeon. It is a truly extraordinary shot. And she she does run around her backhand an awful lot to hit it and I'm I'm reluctant to to talk too much about her her uh, not no not reluctant I'm just sensitive about how we talk about her transformation in in physique um but you know without question she has she she has transformed herself physically um as much as I've ever seen a tennis player do in this shorter period of time she made the decision uh at back end of last year which is pretty rare actually for an american tennis player especially one so wedded to the american system she came through the u.s college system she decided that she wasn't optimizing her game in that system and she she went to train in germany with a german coach called michael gesserer who'd worked with the uh, julia gerges she went and spent her off season you know instead of being in florida she went to Germany um, and trained like a pit bull by the sounds of things. And she continued it. She did exactly the same thing during lockdown, which I find even more impressive, actually, because lockdown came at exactly the wrong time for her. She'd had this cracking start to the year. Um, she was, you know, she was starting to see the fruits of her labor, uh, starting to see all this hard work she'd put in pay off. And then, oh, it all gets the balloon or the bubble that would be a more sort of now um, analogy to use got burst and I, th- I think Matt w- do you remember at the Australian Open we went out to watch Jennifer Brady take on Simona Halep it suddenly feels like a really big win for Simona Halep that <laughs> yeah, doesn't it first round yeah and she you know she challenged then but it still felt like oh you know she's somebody that that might challenge but will eventually lose um but she's certainly not that anymore. So she's got this extraordinary forehand and she's so fit and nimble now. She's able to... What, what are Mary Carrillo's three rules, Matt? Um, hold your serve. Yep. Protect your weakness. So that's the one. Yeah. And have a weapon. A weapon. Yeah. So she's got a great serve. She holds serve. She's got a good kick serve as well. She... She has a weapon. She has this extraordinary weapon in that forehand, which is, you know, we talked about it with Caroline Garcia. It's pretty unusual a forehand like that in the in the women's game. I think it's second only to Sloane Stevens in terms of sort of rotations on on the ball. Um, and she's now able to protect her weakness because she can run around that forehand and she can track down shots and and get the forehand. When she wants it, you know, she can she can get into positions where she's able to use that forehand. And um, she's going to take some stopping. I mean, I asked Martina Navratilova today what can stop her. And she she said, you know, maybe some variety and some almost a bit of junk. You know, the the only times when Putin Saver looked to be remotely challenging her today were when she was hitting sort of moonbally type stuff um and i don't it's Osaka that she plays next spoiler alert um that's not necessarily Osaka's forte that kind of thing 
Yeah, I was I was thinking about Martina's comment about someone having a very layered game and with variety might be able to cause Jennifer Brady problems. And I'm not really seeing that player left in the draw. I'm sure we'll get on to talking about Osaka, but Osaka was incredible tonight. And I I think one thing that Jennifer Brady does need, I think, is is time to hit that forehand because she has got a big wind up on it and mm. she really sets and sort of unloads on it. And I think Osaka might be able to rush that a little bit. I'm really excited to just to see how that how their games match up against each other. Um, I think the other thing she's got is that element of the unknown and the surprise. I mean, I know she's been on the tour for a long time and, you know, she's in her mid-20s now and she first made her breakthrough at slams a few years ago. But as we said yesterday, she's a new player now. And as you've just described, she's got these new elements to her game. And I think I think people are running into her, okay, knowing that she's good like we are, but maybe not quite properly processing quite how good she has become in a relatively short space of time. And I think, I think she's surprising people when when they come up against her and they're, and they're unsure of what to do against her and suddenly the match is over. She's won it in straight sets. Yeah, I find myself in, in pre- preparing for her matches and what we're going to talk about in previewing them on Prime. I disregard all of her head-to-heads unless the, unless the matches in question happened this year, frankly, because she is she is a different tennis player. The transformation is... Is that remarkable, frankly? She is not somebody that people were talking about as having the potential to do this. She isn't somebody that that anybody really was saying, oh, that Jennifer Brady, you know, if she just did this or this, then she could be this. Nobody was saying that. Nobody. It, it is remarkable what she's done. Yeah, I remember when Stan Wawrinka first won a Grand Slam and that felt like... He he transformed his game, and if you think of him working with Magnus Norman, and he always had this untapped potential, I suppose, and he had the spectacular that we were aware of. But to turn himself into a winner and a, and a guy who just regularly contends, I I can't say I ever knew about this untapped potential though in Brady. That's what's really interesting about it to me is she's. She's had a good start to the year, and then I'm waiting for, as I say, I'm waiting for her middling level, her her standard level. And it turns out her standard level is way, way higher than I realized. The the Osaka performance that you referenced, Matt, we've just seen that, actually. It's the, the first of the night matches. They're now into the uh, the second one with uh, Shapovalov and Karina Buster as we come to you at 2.37 in the morning here in the UK. Osaka was spectacular and she was playing Shelby Rogers who was hitting the living daylights out of the ball herself but the difference seemed to me to be that she hits it flatter she hits she, it's a, it's a shootout it was it was so much fun to watch her and Osaka going toe to toe like that but Osaka reminded me of 2 years ago when she won the title here how good her movement is it doesn't really get the headlines because of the she has this power but she, two years ago, I noticed when she played Serena and, and various other players, the way she gets behind every single ball. doesn't matter how hard you hit it, she's able to get behind it and do something with it. I just wonder whether the the the, the more heavier stroke that uh, Brady has, rather than just the raw speed through the air, she's got that work on the ball that makes it rotate furiously and bounce and leap away. And I heard... Anki Othavong, in your coverage today, Catherine, saying that according to the, the stats, Brady's got, what, the third spinniest forehand, with the one with the most rotations on it behind Sloane Stevens and Garcia, I think, which which kind of adds up. And that, I would have thought, might create a different type of problem for Osaka if, Roger, if Brady plays well. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think the players Osaka's played, Contivate, Rogers, Georgie the other night, it's all been sort of straight up and down tennis in terms of, as you said, they're not players with spin to push Osaka off the court. So it's just been, they've they felt like hitting contests and Osaka has, has won out quite easily in all of them because, as you said, her strike on the ball is so good. So it will be interesting to see whether Brady can push her off the court a little bit more, get the ball bouncing up a little bit higher. Um 
but I was I was blown away by Osaka today. It, it felt like that match felt like the whole reason I got the caravan because I was I was unable to control or contain the noises coming out of my mouth in the middle of the night. And, and at home, I would have woken up my whole family just <laughs> sort of screaming in excitement at some of the shots Osaka was was pulling off. I'm kind of free to do that here, but um, so, so exciting. And um, I mean, it's been... It's been a little while since Osaka's been this deep in a slam. I mean, it already feels like a very significant run, well, I think. The only times she's ever been this deep in a slam, she's won it. Every every time she's been to the quarterfinals of a slam, she's she's won that slam. She feels different uh, hearing her talk, hearing seeing her carry herself. I mean, she's been through a lot this last year. The world's been through a lot, but she's kind of gone with it and she has just decided this is she's immersed herself in in everything that we've seen over the last few months um in terms of social justice and and racial inequalities and I, and I feel as though she's probably discovered who she is in in the last year and therefore I think that that helps her in her profession as well yeah because the WTA always run press conferences with the coaches of the players who reached the last eight at a slam and Wim Fassett came in to press the other day and I was I was just listening to what he was saying and he was he was hinting that there might be some kind of correlation between her improved tennis and her increased level of activism and kind of saying that maybe she does feel a little sense of responsibility because the more you succeed the more people are going to listen to you and your message will be am- will be kind of amplified and i think you know i think we in, in a slightly different way we saw that a little bit with nick kyrgios in in january at the start of the year when he was playing for something bigger than himself it helped him and i think maybe there's a little bit of that with osaka this week as well yeah when i when i heard that quote from her about the after her first round match when she had she'd come out wearing the whose whose name was it on she had on her mask in the first match was it George Floyd no it was Brianna Taylor Brianna Taylor in, in the first match um when she came out wearing that I mean obviously extraordinary moment and then when she was asked about it afterwards and she she said I've got seven masks with seven names on them I found that really I mean obviously an ex- extraordinary thing but I suddenly felt that she would win. And I didn't previously because, you know, the day before she'd pulled out of the final of Cincinnati and had a had a hamstring injury. But I suddenly thought, you know, A, the fact that she's done it, she's got those masks and there's seven of them, and B, the fact that she's telling people that she's got seven, seven of those masks. I just thought she's, I don't know, I don't, I don't believe in the mystical stuff, but it it felt kind of just it, it feels like something that should happen somehow i i felt quite moved when you just said that actually i, I don't know just the the when you think of that seven masks um for the seven rounds with each one with so much importance and meaning and particularly to her and and uh, as you, you mentioned george floyd she had george floyd's name on her mask today um and uh yeah it, it really does it, it's it, it's it's doing exactly i think what she hopes it will do it's making people stop in their tracks and think and talk and that's that's what she's trying to achieve so good for her um i also like the fact that in the interview that she did on the court in her own gentle lovely way she talked about shelby rogers and the 3-0 record between the two of them and she said, yeah, those memories of her beating me are stuck in my head. So I consider this a little bit of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she did it in a way that I, I wouldn't want to write that up as Saka gets a revenge because it wasn't that. But it was it did make you think that she's she's relishing being a tennis player. She loves competition. She loves having a go. And and it means a lot more to her, I think, than maybe we realized in the past and and the 
I think it was Sam Smith in your coverage today, Catherine, talking about her title in 18 and then her Australian Open that followed immediately in 2019. Life was coming at her pretty quickly. Not only the titles, but the attention, the money and the reporting of the money and all the sponsorship demands and all that sort of thing. It was a lot for her, I think, Uh, particularly for the person that she is. And that's the thing that I feel like now she can handle it. She can handle that and lots more too, because she's just being herself now. Yeah, the 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 search for your authentic self when you've got so many outside influences sort of encouraging you not to be that. I can only imagine really, let alone, I can only imagine it on the scale that Naomi Osaka is dealing with it. Um let alone at her at her age i um for the i mean this this is such a weird uh, this is going to be a very tenuous tangent i'm about to go off on here so i'm preparing myself for david law what are you on about face i got sent my first ever um free freebie by a pr agency today it was just waiting for me when I when I got into my dressing room in this absolutely beautiful, enticing packaging, um, and it was a, a set of a set of professional makeup brushes. Well, I was delighted. Honestly, I was beside myself. I am, you know, I'm I'm quite a good recipient of of gifts. I really like gifting. I like buying gifts for other people. Um, there was a little note with a handwritten note saying, Catherine, we hope you enjoy our, our brushes. Uh, and I very much will enjoy the brushes. This is really awful because I genuinely can't remember the name of the brand. <laughs> and uh, I sent, I sent, a oh, pic- dear. I sent a picture of it. I sent a picture of it to my, to my friends, my, my, closest friends group and I said oh it's a really momentous day I got sent my first free thing and they were like oh you've got you've you've got to have an Instagram you could this could be happening all the time I I don't have a personal Instagram you only have the tennis podcast Instagram um they're like oh you've got to have an Instagram imagine all the free stuff you'd be getting and I did have a moment of like imagine all the free stuff I could be getting And then I thought, oh no, this way madness lies, Catherine. This, this, once you go down that road, it's a slippery slope. And I don't know, I've had a whole existential crisis about, about all of it. And then I, then I watched Naomi Osaka tonight and heard that line from Sam Smith. And I thought, oh my God. I mean, it must have been that. But, you know, times, times a billion. Matt. <laughs> I have known Catherine for 13 years <laughs> and I've never bought her a gift. <laughs> I, I'm really, really rubbish at gifting. I don't know how to buy gifts. I really have not got a clue. You did once get me um, a gift, actually. Actually, no, you've I? several times got I'm looking right now at a gift you got me. Yeah, I mean, I probably didn't do it. My wife probably did it. But what is it? Two of them, actually. It's a framed picture of a of the team from Queens in I think 2012 probably taken sort of seconds before the David Nalbandian incident which took years off your life yeah. but you look very chipper and youthful in this photo <laughs> um, <right>. Not so- <laughs> and um, I think in 2014 you gave me a tennis the a, t- a framed tennis podcast logo picture which I'm also looking at if I look in a different direction. Yeah, as predicted. So, so as as explained, I'm a very I'm a good giver and receiver of gifts. I really value them. Is this enough of a tangent for anyone? (laughs) And you definitely are a good giver of gifts because I've had a gift from you, a lovely French Open T-shirt which I found on my desk at Queen's one morning, and I I was wearing it yesterday actually. Oh. Yes. I'm I'm quite surprised that if you were having an existential crisis, you weren't talking to David about it. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean... I, I sort of thought that was how it went. <laughs> not a bit, yeah, but I not think, about gifting, because I, I don't understand I gifting. When the existential crisis is, is provoked by makeup brushes that are sort of beyond David's purview. 
Yeah, I have my limits. Anyway, I, I mean, I'm really anyway. Right. It, okay, I, right. I, don't, I still don't have an Instagram. Is <laughs> the yeah. upshot of all of that? That was nearly as good as the Northern Lights. <laughs> anyway, flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right, where were we? Um, so, oh, who's going to win that then? <laughs> Jennifer, I mean, <laughs> we should probably do that. Tom- we? we should probably do that tomorrow, shouldn't we? Because, because uh, yeah, we're going to. That match is in two days' time, isn't it? That, Asaka's oh, going to win it. You've said that, but I mean, the, the interesting question is what I think. Because now I'm Jennifer Brady's new fan, given that I'd written her off about two days ago, and you yeah, know, I've got nobody left in. You're a late adopter of Jennifer Brady and correct predictions. <laughs> How much do you think she's helped by? not having fans brady yeah for her big big breakthrough at a slam or, or is that completely That's a irrelevant because it it feels to me like it might be helping slightly i think you might be i think you're onto something there because it it's it's all lovely isn't it having crowd support here in new york for american players but you would you would probably have a slightly heightened sense of anxiety because you would understand the magnitude of what you're doing if she was about to step out in the quarterfinals of the u.s open as an american player there would be attention i mean it wouldn't have been as much today because of the time of day that that match was played but i mean imagine the semi-finals for instance i don't necessarily think she's going to be as bothered as she would i think you you're onto something there not 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 as bothered but certainly yeah. not anxious I mean, you know, I, in the same way i only brought it up because she said kind of herself that she thought it was easier not to think about the magnitude of of the situation. And I, I almost feel bad about bringing it up because I really don't want to take anything away from what she is achieving. But, I, you know, this is – these are extraordinary circumstances. And I think it would be – I think you'd be missing something if you didn't consider the absence of fans in this. Absolutely. It comes back to what Mary Carrillo said when we were discussing it all on the eve of, of this, let's not try and let's not try and pretend this tournament is something it's not. Let's let's not try and enhance and the things that aren't there. Let's em, let's embrace what's unique and weird about it, and and celebrate those things, and focus on those things. Um, it's one of my. I, I'm so frustrated with the court effects not being better this fortnight why aren't we they the number one priority should be that we get to hear everything 
that is being said on the court, that has been uttered under the players' breaths. And, you know, even in total silence, I feel like I'm still not quite hearing everything that the players are, are saying. And yeah, that's, that's, I've gone off on a tangent again, but it's a, at least it's a tennis tangent. Um, I found, I found that really frustrating, actually. Mm, yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. Um, we also have a new men's semi-finalist. Alexander Zverev is the first German man to reach the semi-finals of the US Open since 1995 and Boris Becker um, because he has beaten Borna Charich today from a set down. But it was stressful. The whole thing was an ordeal, wasn't it? Yes. It really no. was. Do you know, do you know I met Matt... <laughs> on the tennis podcast twitter pod, twitter channel asked for one word reviews of what they thought of the match or to sum up their feelings about the match and i've got a few of them here for you i mean twitter has never been so unified yeah it was uh, there were <laughs> more than 100 replies to this um squirrely said noble nathaniel pedestrian said stefan lundmark relatable said Stephen Malloy. And my personal favourite, alcohol, <laughs> said Rilly. And I think that's because he needed it. But anyway, it was uh, one six seven six seven six, and I think about 6-4. Um, but really, I mean, Chorich should certainly have been two sets to one up. Uh, there's no question about it. He, he, I think, blew it a bit, to be honest, today. Yeah, just on the, just on the quality of the match, I... I don't disagree with any of those people saying it was, you know, ropey and weird and stressful. But I did find it completely compelling for all of those reasons. So much at stake, isn't there? Yeah, I almost felt like, you know, is it inappropriate for me to be watching and enjoying this? But I I, I couldn't take my eyes off it, actually. I, really? I, I'm, yeah. surprised. I'm surprised by that. Right, well tell me more no i'm just surprised because i know we've had conversations in the past when tennis has been really really ropey and you've very much taken your eyes off (laughs) 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 yeah not exactly held back i think just because maybe it's because all the reasons it were was ropey were laid so bare Mm. and also there was there was there was aggro and it was passive aggressive really pathetic aggro yeah exactly i enjoyed it (laughs) well so did i as i say it was it was compelling but it was chorich was just so out of order in so many sort of little (laughs) minor ways you know he he wins the first set six one in two successive sets i think at four five he went off the court he just went. He just walked off. Well, well I think he, I think he got the lead five four, and Zverev's about to serve, just trying to stay in a set, and he just walks off with a mask in his hand. Actually, doesn't properly put it on, and then goes into the little side room, and Zverev's just looking around. Where, where's he gone? <laughs> and you know, couldn't that wait until the end of the yeah. set? Is that a is that a default? I mean, if your player just sort of walks off court, that's uh, <laughs> game over, isn't well, it? Well, I I think the reason he was allowed to do it was because he was sweating so much that he was making the court wet and slippery. This happened with Kyle Edmund as well against Novak Djokovic, shouldn't it? And I think it's the umpire's discretion in those situations to determine whether a player can go off. But I agree with you, the timing felt slightly pointed. and Two successive sets yeah. at exactly the same point. And he just decided he didn't like go over to Zverev and say look I'm like John Millman did a couple of years back Mm. with Djokovic and just say look I'm soaking wet can I please go and change you know look I I don't I don't know Borna Church he seems like a nice lad but I felt that that he was he was trying everything to get under Zverev's skin today 
and he was going at a snail's pace and it was he was like a sloth you know he was just sort of methodically going about his business and he's going to bounce the ball and he's going to do it all in his own time and i'm not going to rush and i know you're getting irritated but i'm not going to get distracted because this is how i do things and i found myself just gently nodding off to sleep it was lovely yeah, it was, was, but um it was quite soporific wasn't it at times but i actually don't think it helped I actually think he was in control of the match and suddenly Zverev had an outlet to direct that frustration and that anger and that was when he came back into the match and he never he never hit his absolute best Zverev but he dug in quite well and he he managed to channel a little bit of that frustration certainly in the second set he was really irritated by it um but yeah I mean Chorich I agree with you he should have I think Chorich played the better tennis for the first three sets and really blew the tie breaks. I mean, he was, I mean, if you think of how, how solid we've seen him be throughout large portions of the match and how secure. And then when it got to the big moments, he would miss open courts or short balls by significant margins. And there's a, there's a tightness that comes into Church's game a little bit. He gets, he gets nervous and anxious, I think, and tries to go for it when he doesn't really, have the trust in his technique and it and it sort of ends up in really dramatic errors and whereas Zverev Zverev has an ability to to kind of look quite underwhelming when you consider what he has but he doesn't miss he's he's very solid from the back of the court and he will kind of force his opponent to make make the unforced errors in in the big moments and Chorich just sort of handed it to him in in those in those incidences i think mm. the the aftermath of of that match i mean he, he did look relieved zverev but but chuffed actually he did a, a brief interview with you on prime and well and he should be chuffed shouldn't he it's a it's a big deal and it's such there's a lot of pressure on him because suddenly Djokovic isn't there I mean there's and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of players it's not just him oh you could see you could visibly see the weight of opportunity on both of them I think that's why I felt found it compelling Mm, no, I, I know what you mean. It is like a reality TV almost mm. uh, experiment. What what would happen if we took the, the big three out of a Grand <laughs> yeah. Slam tournament and all the crowd? Yeah, let's see exactly. what would happen. <laughs> see see what see what happens. Whether they can, who's going to handle it? Uh, and the the fact as well. I mean, he, he'd got this negative head to head against Chorich. It was, and he'd lost to him in four sets when he was wearing his knee high socks a few years back. Um, but he got the job done today, and that's the thing. He he doesn't look great to me at the moment. Zverev. He doesn't look like he's playing as well as he did at the Australian Open. When I was looking back at his serving statistics, and he he was getting nearly eighty percent first serves in, whilst serving an average of one hundred and twenty five miles an hour every single serve, and he was hitting double figures aces and just two or three double double faults. That's not happening right now. Occasionally it does. He was hitting some second serves at 135 miles an hour. Okay, and and Barry was commentating with us on Five Live and he, he was making the point that he just doesn't have a reliable second serve. He doesn't have that kind of take a certain amount of pace off and put a certain amount of spin on that will always go in the court. And you've, you've kind of got to have that. And, and, and it's just, it's still... A nervy watch with Zverev, isn't it? When he's on serve, it's 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 part spectacular, and you you think he's it's capable of being so lethal, and yet it's also I feel it quite edgy watching him try to serve. I am a big fan of the um, if your second serve isn't getting any kind of return, then go for the two first serves. I'm really I really enjoy that, and I enjoyed watching him do it today, and I sort of appreciated that. I mean, that is that's tactical awareness, isn't it? To to realise, well, I might as well just gamble, gamble on doing it. That of just just as much chance of success, if not more so. Um, and I really enjoyed that. But I even with a the the field that we have and the big three not being there I I find it hard to believe that you can win a Grand Slam title without a reliable second serve um, and and also the, the, the other sort of massive thing that worries me is that he and, and this also was something 
that was really spelled out by by Barry Cowan with you um, in your five live commentary was he's not a good front runner. He has a fantastic record from a set down in Grand Slams. He's now nine and nine after losing the the first set, um, which is way better than most players. You know, most of the time when you lose the first set, you lose the match. But but it but there's a there's a sinister underbelly to that to that statistic i think and um yeah i i i don't think he's the greatest of of front runners at the moment and those are two things that are sort of defining features of champions and i think i think he he should be able to overcome them both but i i struggle to, to see that this is the time given those problems that he will win will win a slam I think he'll probably reach the final mm. or likely reach the final either yeah. Denis Shapovalov or Pablo Corina Buster they're in, locked in battle at the moment with Shapovalov a setup as I come to you and it's 4-1 Corina Buster it's funny to me how you can ask so many different analysts about Zverev's serve and they will give you a different answer mm. I mean today I heard as you said Barry Cowan say it was a technical issue and I heard some of your pundits on Prime, Catherine, saying it was a psychological and a mental mm-hmm. issue. And they're both they're both very sure in, in those responses. And I, I mean, maybe the truth lies somewhere in between. If he had a more reliable technique, he wouldn't be having the mental issues on it. I think, there's, I think they probably do go a little bit hand in hand. Um, but I agree. I mean, I, it's, I struggle to have entire confidence in him because when the problems come... They really come. I mean, he will serve a, almost a whole game of double faults. And that was kind of how Chorich established his lead in the match. And I think a better player than Chorich, Chorich is a good player, but a better player, for example, a Medvedev or a team, will not let Zverev get away with that later in the tournament because mm. be, because they just won't. They're just better and they're, and they're more ruthless than Chorich. Um, but it is a... It is another strange thing to have to get your head round in 2020 this way that Zverev has actually performed better at slams. I mean, he's, be- he's barely won a match outside the slams and yet he's had this really impressive record in them. He, he, has, he has changed the way he has his results as a tennis player and he's done that not necessarily by playing brilliantly, but it's impressive that he that he has managed now to reach back-to-back semi-finals at slams when for so long we were wondering why he can't even get out of the second or third round. So credit to him for that. Hmm. Uh, I did run a poll on, on whether he will ever win a slam today, midway through the match. Uh, 70% say yes. Uh, 30%, no, 24% say no. And 6% say he'll win one this year. And Catherine's looking at the ceiling now as though she's just not going to part of not, my eyes are closed. podcast anymore. Right. I've just had a little micro sleep. Right then, Matt. Uh, <laughs> so what should we talk about now? Uh, well, the opponent is going to be either Denis Shapovalov or Pablo Carina Buster. Uh, we will talk about what happened in their match tomorrow um, because I think we've got some life left in that one still to come. In the doubles today, Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram were beaten, so they're not going to get back-to-back slams. In the semi-finals, they were beaten by Wesley Kulhoff and Nikola Mektic. Anything else happened of note today? It's not many matches around, are there? Because no. there's no mixed doubles and there's no juniors. No. So we're, we're, when we do the Around the Grounds segment now on, on Amazon, where we have the sort of the multi-screen that's showing all the different courts, live pictures of all the different courts, there's not very much around or groundsy about it. It's just It's just two boxes on a screen. <laughs> Yeah. Oh dear. Oh well. Yeah. We're nearly at the end then. Oh, five days to go. What we got tomorrow? Let's have a look. Uh, order of play is Serena Williams is up first, isn't she? That's an interesting choice that she's first up. She's and we were trying to work so out so much in the day session. Um, I think she must, she be, must be requesting, requesting it. it yeah. She must be. Yeah. Because I mean that 
the American TV networks would not want that, would they? They would want her no. tomorrow. I in can the understand evening. why they did on Monday because that was Labor Day. For sure. Um, but she she must be requesting it. I, get, mm. Knowing what we do about how the mechanisms work for scheduling, I can't believe she's not requesting that. So 12 o'clock local time, she'll be playing Svetlana Peronkova of Bulgaria, unseeded. I wonder why, if she is requesting it, and I agree with you, she probably is. I wonder why. I'm trying to get my head... I mean, I suppose it gives maximum time between yeah. quarterfinal and semifinal, for instance. But Court speed, um, warmer conditions, um, superstition, superstition maybe, that she's been winning in the day session up to now. Well, she used to say it was superstition uh, as the reason that she wouldn't do post-match interviews with Five Live years ago at Wimbledon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm sure I've requested every day, though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think it was just me. I think, I think that's an interesting point you make about maximum time, though, between quarters and semis. This is, given that she's on this side of the draw, she is having to now play back-to-back days for the first and only time, and... You know, so if I think oh, it's, yeah, of course. I think I it's forgot that. reasonably important mm. for her that she gets through that match quite straightforwardly, I think, because I don't know, I think that day off has been helpful for her. And I think she will want to go into a semi final against either Azarenka or Mertens, who are certainly going to make her play a lot of balls as, as ready and as fit and as fresh as, as she can possibly be. Well, when you look at it, I, I must admit, I'd, I'd just forgotten that, that it's Wednesday tomorrow, then the semis are on Thursday. And looking at the order of play and Victoria Azarenka and Elise Mertens play at seven hours later, you know, it's a, it's a big old difference, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, fascinating. And, and, and Serena against Victoria Azarenka could well be a semi-final of the US Open, which would just be so cool. Not to say that Svetlana Peronkova having her run isn't cool, but do we think she's running out of gas tomorrow? Do you think this is end game for her? Well, she sat down in the middle of her last match, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably she's got a chance though. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how her game works against. Serena, whether Serena likes it. I, I kind of feel like she might. I feel like she might quite enjoy that sort of trajectory of ball coming at her, a bit flatter and, you know, not too much spin to take her out of the court. And they've played four times before and Serena's won them all um, quite, quite comfortably. She's won on clay at French Open in 07, on grass in... Eastbourne in 2011 both of those were three sets and then she won comfortably in Beijing in 2014 and also pretty comfortably in Cincinnati the most recent meeting in 2015 so um, yeah points to a Serena win so that's tomorrow that's then followed by Andrei Rublev against Daniel Medvedev uh, the all Russian battle Medvedev yeah he's really dominated that Head-to-head, I think a couple of very straightforward wins. 2019, they played twice and Medvedev won them both. 6-2-6-3 in Cincinnati and 6-4-7-5 in St. Petersburg. Uh, And just a word, how good was Medvedev last night against Francis Tiafoe? I mean, he broke the guy's heart. Close first set, 5-4, I I looked in on it. And Medvedev got the break and won the set. Tiafoe won one game in the next two sets. Uh, I mean... He he was just so demoralised, and there was that highlight real forehand that you sent me, Matt. Um, I which sent I, it. Oh, you sent it. All right, all right. That's a gift. And I just watched it over mean, and over. I think you mean gif. Oh, she's a, she's good at gifting and gifting. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and it was it was just a spectacular forehand cross court on the run. Catherine looks like she's had enough of this. <laughs> 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 so it was quite interesting to see Medvedev follow team's performance. You know, they were both statements yesterday. That's the kind of thing that mm. that you know you've seen Federer and Nadal do before. You know, one play well and then the other play just as well, and kind of felt mm. like they both stepped it up yesterday. Mm. 
And then evening session, it's Victoria Azarenka against Elise Mertens. I think Azarenka wins that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Anybody going for Mertens? Matt's thinking about it. I am thinking about it. Mertens was amazing against Kenin as well. I think she only hit five unforced oh, yeah. errors in the whole match. And I don't know, Kenin maybe feels like a decent decent warm-up for playing Azarenka, that kind of intensity and relentlessness from the back of the court. Um, so I will... Maybe I'll go Mertens. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Mertens. Oh, there's a newsletter. Loads of points prediction coming. Uh, and then in the last match of the day, it's Didi, Dinim- Didi Dimonor. That's my new name for him. Uh, and I messed it up. <laughs> uh, against Dominic Team. Uh, so Alex Dimonor against Dominic Team. The thing is, he's not that short, is he? I mean... He just is... He, he li- is. He's just sort of... He is, though. Boyish. Uh, but anyway, Dominic Team's going to win. He looks tiny from my vantage point. <laughs> that is all I can say. Um, yeah, Dominic Team's going to win. Yeah, it's uh, there's going to be some spectacular rallies. He's six foot tall. My backside is he six <laughs> foot tall. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, right, that's uh, that's tomorrow's order of play, <laughs> and also there are some. What are you laughing at? That is all going to take place tomorrow, Catherine. I think you need to go to bed because you're on yawn thirty six in the last three minutes. <laughs> um, and um, Matt is going to spend the next three hours until about six thirty four editing the podcast and also watching the uh, the remaining part of Denis Shapovalov against Pablo Corina Busta, which looks like it's going to go mentally long. It looks like it's got five sets in it. So, um, yeah, can't wait for that. The next three hours of my life in the middle of the night is going to be that. Uh, so good night, Catherine. Good night, Matt. Uh, good night, Zeus, our wonderful mascot uh. from Medellin. We posted a picture of, of Zeus on uh, on instagram and on twitter today and everybody's in love uh what sort of dog is zeus he's an alsatian german shepherd oh he's great so he uh, anyway. really is beautiful so majestic the the photos that nicholas's owner sent through today of him sort of basking in sunlight posing regally oh they were lovely and and there was also one of of him with his friend who is called Alegría, which means happiness in Spanish, and oh. and she's a golden retriever. So, Why did I not see that? I, I've sent it to you. I haven't seen it. Could you send it again? <laughs> yes. Catherine stopped yawning. <laughs> um, you send right. it again now. Can we get off the podcast first and then you send it? <laughs> I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to multitask here. It's not going well. <laughs> Poor old Matt. Honestly, he's the glue that's keeping all this together. Um, right. Uh, we'll be back with another tennis podcast tomorrow, folks. Do leave us an iTunes review. Do tell your friends if anybody you know you think might like this show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your lovely messages. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. 